Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Hey there, welcome back to the Winning Plays Podcast with Brian Robb. I'm Rich Levine. It is Monday, the brooms are out, the Sixers are home, the Raptors are on deck. We'll get to all that in a moment, but first, as always, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Give us a follow on Twitter, that's at WinningPlaysPod. Shout out to CLNS Media, shout out to BetOnline.ag. Uh, B-Rob, congratulations on the second round. Uh, I don't want to make I don't I, I don't want to I don't want to spend too much time on the Sixers here because frankly I don't think they deserve it. But uh, Celtics did what they needed to do on Sunday. Uh, other than the Gordon injury uh, in Game One, there's really not much to complain about after these first four games. Would you agree? Yes, and before I, I agree with you on the Sixers not deserving much time here, but I, I will want to say this for all the all the Sixers hating. Uh, that is going on right now in, in Philly and just across the NBA for what should be a pretty momentous offseason for them. Um, the Celtics played really well in this series. Like, I don't, even if Philly plays well in this series, I think this series only goes five or six games tops. Um, because it ended up being the Celtics had the three best players in the series, Rich. And when that happens, it's a mismatch. And I'm not sure even when Embiid plays to his potential. Um, he's going to be better than Jason Tatum in a playoff series at this point, given his vulnerabilities on in several parts of the game. Yeah, certainly when he when he's short, Ben Simmons, right? I mean, that's that's a, that's a, that's a big part of it. And I wonder, you think you really think he was the fourth best player in the series? You think Joe, Jalen, uh, Jason, and Kemba were all better than Embiid? Yeah, I think Embiid defensively, when you're just you're factoring in the effort into play here, and just him being out of gas on that end of the floor in the second half, um, pretty much every game. Um, <laughs> second, like, half or se- second half or second quarter? Second quarter, like second minute. I don't know. It was If it was a first quarter series, then yeah, give me Embiid second. But if when you, you, you throw those 48 minutes in the play, this is it's, it's just reached a point now where it's like this is, this is not the exception anymore. This is more the rule with him in the playoffs. Yeah, and again, I mean, this this is such a such a unique situation, right? The bubble, no Simmons, uh, all that. But yeah, I mean, like I said, we came coming into this to the series, we were all very confident in the Celtics' ability to take care of business. That's what they did, and and it's funny because you said uh, a momentous off season for the Sixers. Do you, I mean, do you think they're going to trade and beat or Simmons? I don't. I don't. I don't either. You so they're going to they're gonna bring in a new coach, right? Right. Obviously. A, oh, they already did. They already did. They fire him officially. I don't think they fired him officially, but I, Woj had that tweet ready to go at the buzzer, being like, "The 
Brett Brown's future does not look good. So that is generally not a good sign. And when I mean, I love that. <laughs> you probably had that in drafts from like, you know, July 30th, April, July, exactly. April. <laughs> um, but it is, I mean, I like Brett Brown a lot. I think he's going to be a great NBA analyst next year on some network um, <laughs> before. And he deserves a chance, but just with that mix of guys that clearly don't have, um, you know, it, I think we talked about it last time Embiid and, and Ben Simmons kind of need a, maybe a tough coach, but at least someone they, res, you know, respect and are going to give them plenty of shit when they deservedly are slacking or just not, you know, doing what the team needs them to do to win. And it's clear at this point that Brown can't, it's his hands were tied with the roster he was given, but he wasn't able to break through on that for any either. So um, I think his time is up. Does does Elton Brand survive? I was going to say the summer, but the 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 fall, the mini off season. I don't know. What would you do? What would he, his track record says he doesn't deserve to? But I feel still when you have Embiid, if that's Embiid's guy, then you risk losing Embiid if you get you get rid of him so quickly. I mean, you're risking losing Embiid, but what are you losing if this is the Embiid that you're losing, right? Like, maybe, again, you talk about you. you, you some, and again, I've heard that Elton Brand is the guy that, that Embiid can go to and, and that he trusts and does help hold him accountable to a certain extent. But, like, you just you maybe you just need something brand new. You need, you need someone that Embiid's not so comfortable with. Um, but, yeah, I, I think if, if I were the ownership of Philly, I'd, I'd, I'd reset everything. You know, I'd get rid of Brand, obviously get rid of Brown. Um, I'd don't think they're necessarily going to do that i think i think they'll do it one step at a time right so brown's the the fall guy now next year it'll be brand year after it'll be it'll be Embiid, and then simmons four years from now and then they'll be right where they were yeah i agree with you just based (laughs) on how that ownership has operated in the last um couple seasons and how it's slowly just um combusted on them in terms of how good of a situation it looks like they have and now how dire it is it kind of reminds me of the the magic in the middle of the big three era um who just made question like when when orlando traded away turkaloo for like vince carter in mm-hmm. like 2009 there's just stuff like that where it's just like what like why and then taking on more and more back contracts to a point that it blew up on them a couple years later um that is, I see a potentially similar situation playing out in Philly, um, which is great news for the Celtics because that's looked like your chief rival for the next decade. And now they have to potentially go back to the drawing board in a year or two and, and lose one of these uh, stars that give you so much trouble. I say when the most devastating Joel Embiid shot of the series was his meaningless three-pointer at the end of game four to, to, uh, to cover the spread. <laughs> what was it, Five? I think I mean I, I think it closed at like seven. Oh wow! Um, so yeah, wow. so that was a, that was a killer three. That was that that was the, the, the that was the that was the uh, the Embiid shot that stings the most after four games. It's a pretty good pretty good scenario for the Celtics. Um, so you talked about their uh, what we who we thought was going to be their main rivals moving forward, and uh, I mean, do we want to move on to to Toronto? Is is that a little too quick to to say goodbye to the first round? I mean, I think that's that's. That's uh, for a sweep. What are you going to say, right? It is. It's, I mean, what, and it's funny. They even, the Celtics, I don't know if they casually won that game four, but it was a situation in all these games where 
Philly comes out hot. Uh, they're getting to the free throw line 20 times in the first quarter, and the Celtics are still only down like four points. And that just happened in varying forms for all these four games. And that just shows you uh, a team that looks like a contender, a team that doesn't worry when things go awry early in games, that has the consistency um, and the scoring from all parts of the floor, even without Gordon Hayward. And I still think, I mean, just looking, moving to Toronto a little bit, like the the three best guys in this series are the three best guys all year long against Toronto. And, and that's good news if you're Brad Stevens. Yeah. How about the fact that they got the th- three 20-point score- scorers again? Again, four games, but 27, 24, and 21 for Tatum, Kemba, and Jalen. Not so we can we t- I think I think we need to let's discuss Jason Tatum for a second. <laughs> he had a casual right. twenty eight and fifteen in a closeout game. I mean you look at his stats, and again it's a four game sweep, but four games, twenty seven points, nine point eight rebounds, two point three blocks a game, shot forty five percent from three, getting to the line six point he, he only shot seventy two percent from the foul line, which is a spot where he could probably improve a little bit. But um I that I mean it, it's funny, like we we were we spent the summer wondering how much the superstar Tatum was going to translate into the bubble and into these playoffs. And obviously the two for 17 or two for 18, whatever it was in that first game against Milwaukee was sort of a, a funky start. But um, again, when when he can just, and you talk about casual, like a casual 28 and 15, 15. Yes. Uh, that's, and, and, and we'll talk about Siakam a little bit moving forward, but, and the fact that Tatum, what they say now, he's like 6'10". Did I, yeah. did I read that as well? I mean, it, like, like that's like another dimension of his game now, the rebounding. That is such a game changer. Yeah, it's and the team desperately needs it with Hayward out of the picture uh, for the next few weeks since that's one of the other, you know, wings that can really get his hands dirty down there. Um, and Tatum is just committed. He's committed to all parts of the game right now. And it was glaring in that end of that game three, where he didn't have it going that came offensively, Rich, but I, I wrote about this on Boston Sports Journal on Friday night. Just he won that game with his defense in that game-closing 10-0 run when he had the help block on Embiid and then had a great you know closeout on Josh Richardson, which should have been an open quarter three, but Tatum blocked that too. And those were Philly's best chance to score in that um, final two minutes there. So when he's giving that on top of the you know 25 to 30 points a game uh with tremendous efficiency um it's just he's quickly moving into you know top 10 to 15 oh he's moved. category i mean he's he's he's, moved. he's there for the first round but now i mean like doing it against philly is going to be different than doing it against toronto we have to we have to make it clear here like philly is a dif- dysfunctional mess they don't have the defenders to to handle him but he did see josh richardson for a lot of that series because and that opened up kemba because then he got he had shake milton on kemba and that's just not fair and i, and I saw he tatum averaged like i think like 16 points a game against toronto this season yes i think i read somewhere and he only he only he went only went over 20 once so that's going to be uh, an, an interesting, you know, thing to watch. One other thing, just looking at the stats from this Philly series, real quick, is that uh, Tatum, Kemba, and Jalen 
all averaging six or more foul shot attempts a game. And we had set like five and a half as a good target for Tatum coming in. Uh, so they all went uh, in the in the regular season. Uh, they were all under five. Yes. A game, and they're all over six in this first round of the playoffs. And clearly, the refs are a little bit whistle happy uh, in the bubble right now. But it's just it's it's fantastic to see them getting to the line. That's something that they're going to need to do, obviously, even more in the next round. And even more than that, Jalen Brown, ninety-one point seven percent from the line, um, insane in against Philly, and that is a very small sample size. But when you're going there six times a game, that's not a, a huge fluke either. Um, so getting, I mean, that's two or three points a game, essentially, given his uh, you know seventy percent career mark from the, the free throw line if he can you know stay north of 80 percent going that forward seems, that seems to me like a total like smaller gym right less distraction sure maybe we can just keep the bubble going i mean everyone had a like walkers i mean walker is a great free throw shooter too but smart was 92 percent um so beyond tatum's hiccups um there were really great free throw shooting all series long for the the seas without the like you know like you said the background noise um that a crowd could bring uh, hey b-rob uh, uh sports keep coming back in case you, you have you have you noticed that what about football is that coming i mean i think it is but that's not in this ad read right now uh <laughs> but sports do keep coming do do keep coming back so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner betonline.ag Major League Baseball has finally started this summer and is in full swing. There's no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. We've got the NBA playoffs. we got the NHL playoffs. Uh, sports start to return. BetOnline has sat down with Eddie George from the NFL, Robert Ory, seven-time NBA champ, Harold Reynolds from Major League Baseball to get their opinions on what will likely be a situation where people are playing without, players are playing without fans. They're calling it the pandemic. Uh, visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Uh, so as we as we move on, I think we can bury the Sixers. Talk about the second round series. I actually, I, and I, you know, I I had Celtics in five before the Gordon injury. Uh, made it, I changed it to a sweep. I think after game two, I'm not nearly as optimistic about this Toronto series. Uh, I'm not ready. I, well, maybe we'll, we'll hold the predictions for a moment, but uh, I, I mean, yeah. What's your about- what's your three? What's I want us to give three initial thoughts on this series, and we can go back and forth here. But what's yeah? What's the biggest thing that kind of sticks out to you here, um, knowing well, it's going to be a much bigger challenge? Okay, so I think we can agree that Marcus Smart's very important for the Celtics. Kemba Walker is very important for the Celtics. Now imagine if there was a player that was Kemba Walker and Marcus Smart combined for a team. And I think that's Kyle Lowry to a certain extent. Maybe maybe Van Vliet's a little bit more Kemba. But um, I just I, I think that's the biggest X factor right now. I mean, I, and has there been any updates on, on, Lowry's, on Lowry's injury? Not that I've seen come across the board yet. He was, I believe, scheduled to have an MRI... Um, so he hurt his left foot in game four of the win against the Nets where um, the Raptors bench scored 100 points. Um, <laughs> and, tr- and tried to play tried to play through it, like didn't go out right away. Yeah. You so know, went into a timeout and kind of limped back onto the court and then kind of gave right. up, which makes you think that maybe it's not too, too bad. Right. So, but anytime you have an MRI, then they're clearly worried about something. So it's, he has... 
it's going to be, I thought, a very quick turnaround for the start of the series, considering it is two first-round sweeps, and the second round will be, I mean, the first round will still be going on in a lot of the West series on Thursday. So only three days off for for both teams here. Um, so he won't have a lot of time to rest it if it is sore, but that is clearly a huge plot line to watch out of the gate here. Yeah, and, and it's hard because, you know, there are four games... I guess the, you know, we, we count the August game as the fourth game of the regular season between the Celtics and the and the Raptors. But you know, Siakam missed two two of the games in December. Uh, but as a result of that, or maybe who knows how, how you know what their strategy is, but they guarded Tatum with Lowry for most of oh, yeah. the season series. And we talk about Tatum's struggles against Toronto this year. So I mean, that's that that's a huge you know subplot. You know, and granted, I mean, a healthy Siakam maybe can 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 handle, especially they don't have to worry about Gordon as well. Uh, a healthy Siakam can, can maybe match up against Tatum, but they were having some success with that Lowry matchup. They did, but Tatum, I did watch some of the bubble Tatum, and it, that <laughs> is the only matchup. The Celtics played the Raptors like Christmas, pretty much Christmas and earlier. Uh, those were the first three games of the season. Mm-hmm. So Kyler Alley hadn't seen the new version of Tatum yet, and while Tatum himself didn't, you know, tear up the Raptors in that matchup, um, he was able to just kind of manage Lowry better and take advantage of when help came Lowry's way and to find the right guy. So kind of broke Toronto down with the pass and with a shot in a couple spots. So where I'm watching that now, and I mean, that's going to be, a dogfight for Tatum because Lowry, the intensity level from Lowry is going to go up a hundredfold because that game in the bubble didn't mean much for Toronto. Um, at the same time, I feel a lot better about how Lowry, uh, Tatum can handle that matchup now um, with this, you know, top fifteen version of him. No, that's a really good point. Um, and you guys, I, I guess I think I would be shocked if Lowry doesn't doesn't suit up for Game One. Just seeing what we yeah. saw from Luca, I mean, I, I thought Luca was out for the season after after his his, his injury <laughs> right. in uh, in Game Four or Game Three, whenever it was. You know, these guys, I'm sure it, it's just around around the clock, uh, you know, care and supervision and just just treatment for for Lowry to to get him back. And I think if there's any if there's any chance of him doing it, he's gonna he's gonna take that chance and get out there. But yeah, like I said, it remains to be seen like how much he'll be affected. So for me, that is my number one X factor. Like what which Kyle Lowry are we gonna see? Even if he's out there, what is he gonna be able to do? Yeah. And so my number one thing to watch um in this one is is Kemba. Because mm-hmm. Kemba is this is almost a carbon copy of what he's gonna face in pick and roll coverage with Gasol. Gasol backs off. So that pull-up three-pointer that was there against the Sixers is going to be there again. And you're going to have, and with Lowry guarding Tatum, that leaves Van Fleet on Kemba. Now, Van Fleet is a a good defender, but he's not Kyle Lowry, and he's small. So Kemba should be able to get those looks there. And... The, for how good he looked in those last two or three games, like that is going to be the key to unlocking the best version of the Celtics offense and taking down a Raptors defense. Because if 
Toronto has to make adjustments there or go zone or do something to take those shots away from Kemba, then a lot of other parts of the floor are going to open up for the Celtics. And that is going to be um, very, I don't think it's going to win them series outright, but it's going to make life very tough for Toronto to, to match them offensively because they don't have the firepower to do it. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm just looking at some of his stats this year against Toronto, and like you said, it's sort of sort of a, a different team, and it was almost a different lifetime. But yeah, like plus plus twelve on the season, twenty you know twenty three points a game, you know, was doing his thing. So do we think, you know, and 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 there was a little bit of a victory lap from the Celtics, and I think deservedly so for their how they handled uh, bringing Kemba back, you know, whether it was you know in late July, early August, all that when Kemba was, was dying to get back in the court and they were just like, no, this is the plan. Um, and I think, you know, Brad mentioned in, in a, in a post game interview, just that with it, they, they, they felt confident in, in what they were trying to do. But my question is, is the plan is Kemba now back? I you know what I mean? To, is, yeah. is, is there still, is there still a plan in place or is he just unleashed at this point? I think he's unleashed at this point because what are you waiting for? If you're not unleashing him in this round, since he's going to have the rest he needs, he has three days off. He didn't have to big. play. He didn't have to, which is yeah. I think that's a really underrated part of that first round sweep. Like any time you can save wear and tear on the likes of Kemba at this point is huge with Gordon out because that's just minimizes the risk on anyone else getting hurt. Period on this team, which would be devastating at this point um, if it's anyone else in their core. But Kemba is looked better in each game in that series and he is really holding his own defensively too with whether it's you know being a pest on the ball uh just wildly not leaving himself exposed in like mismatches like the, the Celtics scramble on D when he has uh, facing a mismatch in the post is like tremendous like um, compared to what life was like with Kyrie last year in terms of Kyrie like asking for Giannis <laughs> like Kemba knows his his role knows to say, okay, I need to get out of Dodge here and, you know, take my team out of a vulnerable spot. And this is, I think he's just enjoying the fact that with Tatum breaking out now, like he's not going to have to deal with Lowry. And so he's going to have the ability to be the the primary option because that's the best matchup for the season. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, we never would have imagined, and maybe the Celtics did, but it was hard to imagine Kemba coming out and looking like this you know by the time the playoffs rolled around and that's just such a positive especially with the Gordon injury and you know I I said I mentioned Lowry as the number one x factor I think maybe if it goes seven games you know I think the best the best chance for Gordon to have come back in this series is if one of the teams didn't sweep at one point you know there was yeah he's out he's out now because they if they move the series up there's no chance he's he's back in this series and that's in, in the third quarter when uh, I, I forget what the Brad had one of the weirdest lineups out there. And when I say weird, I mean horrible. But I think it was like at Romeo and Grant. Like it was the third quarter of a closeout game. And I was just like, what? Why is he kind of? Seems like he was just letting the, letting Philly stay in it or stay afloat. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if they're trying to extend the series to, <laughs> to, to, to make it more likely that that Gordon could maybe come back. But that that's not going to be an X factor. We're going to say right now that Gordon is is, is not going to be. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe game six or seven. But I think. But even then, like, even if he could come back, like, I wouldn't throw him in this series in a game six or seven, even if he's like okay to go. To like yeah. throw a guy after an ankle injury that severe into the middle of it'd be one thing if Hayward was playing like Tatum right now, then it's like okay, you have to at least, you know, 
have him be out there to be a, a decoy, if nothing else. But Hayward against the Raptors, I mean, there's no, like, great mismatch for him or anything. I mean, the Celtics could obviously use him and will miss him, but um, you don't want to throw his feet into the fire in that sort of spot. So Yeah, that's um, a good point. I mean, I think that, like, you know, when Marcus Smart is in the, is in the starting lineup, it does help the, the Raptors a little bit matchup-wise. Because then For it's sure. Kemba and Marcus, and then as opposed to having one of the either Van Vliet or or Lowry have to deal with one of the bigger guys. But yeah, I don't know. I guess we probably shouldn't even get our our, our hopes up about that. Um, here's here's uh, a second X factor for me. Uh, in in that you, you said you you just rewatched the the August Raps Celtics game again, right? Yes. Uh, were you just as inspired by the play of Robert Williams the third? Yes. And and Ennis Cantor did not get off the bench in that game. Ennis right? Cantor did not get off the bench in that game. His one so DMP. that that is a my that's a big question I have. Are we are we gonna reset the rotation or is Time Lord still in the doghouse against this Toronto team? This is a tough one because Grant Williams is still in play here too, um, and so I don't necessarily know if you play um, if you think about putting Grant Williams in those backup center minutes too for his um, defensive savvy and versatility. Um, I do think for how good Rob Williams looked in that game against Toronto and how uh, much he stymied guys in the paint, the Toronto's Toronto's smaller guards struggle against length at the rim. And that's what Rob Williams gives you. So he is certainly going to get a shot in this series ahead of Cantor and ahead of Cantor. I think you have to. I think you have to try him first in these games based on how that game in August went because Cantor is just an invitation for pick-and-roll disarray (laughs) against this team. Like, you can get away with him against Philly in the playoffs because they have no um, decent pick-and-roll ball handler. Um, And, oh, by the way, um, friend of the podcast and also guest host, Brendan Jackson, wanted us to bring this up quickly. Uh, did you see Trey Burke yesterday? Um, yeah, that was for for Dallas. I saw I saw that tweet. By the way, we've we've been talking about Trey Burke. I think for the last two weeks. This is the third straight podcast that we've mentioned Trey Burke. So I felt like, you know, we we are we're team Trey Burke. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just another and some, some like more Ellen salt. Brand, and, what are we doing? Some more salt in Philly's wounds. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like that's so. Even if the Sixers had Trey Burke in that series, I would have been trouble for Cantor, but they didn't. Uh, but now against the Raptors, you have Lowry, you have Van Vliet, you have Norm Powell, you have all sorts of guys that can give you trouble in the paint. And Cantor is going to have to guard the three-point line against pretty much everyone short of like Hollis Jefferson. So I go Rob Williams or Grant Williams ahead of Cantor in this series to start out. Not, not that Cantor is not going to get a chance if you're getting killed in the glass or not, but he, his strengths are really not needed much in this series. Okay, cool. Who's your what, what do you what do you have next for a little X factor? So next thing here, um, Jalen Brown has to win the battle of Pascal Siakam. He has to, or I don't know if he has to win. He has to play that matchup to a draw. Okay, for the Celtics to win this series. Um, the the issue for Jalen is going to be in the post against Siakam. Um, Siakam can really bully you down there but Siakam really hasn't been great in this restart he wasn't very good at all in that um, 
game against the Celtics when they blew him out in August. Um, Brown did a good job in that game. Um, but his shooting numbers have been kind of iffy. Um, let me pull them up here for... Yeah, against... He's shot only 28% from three against the Nets in that series. And he shot just 39% from the field in the seeding games in the bubble. So, you know, we talk about guys taking the leap in the postseason to the next level like Tatum and Brown have shown. Um, Siakam really hasn't done that yet. Um, even last year's playoffs, he wasn't super consistent in a lot of those series. So uh, if Brown can play that matchup to a draw or uh, or just straight up win it, um, that I think is going to swing the series in favor of the Celtics because the Celtics with Tatum and Kemba, um, I think are going to win those matchups uh, decisively. Yeah, and especially if you're seeing less than 100% Lowry. Uh, and another point I read is that uh, so one, one good thing about your X Factor is that Jalen does have a lot of reps. I, I read, I forget where I saw this online when I was when I was doing some research, but only five players this season have spent more time guarding Siakam than Jalen. Yeah. So he spent a lot of time on him. He knows he knows the moves, and that's even with Siakam missing. You know, they played on Christmas, and they played I think three days after Christmas, and Siakam missed both those games. Um, so even with that, Jalen has, has spent as much time guarding him as, as anyone in the league. So, so I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a great point. For you. Where, how do you handle defensive matchups in this series if you're Brad now? With, with it was pretty simple when Hayward was healthy, but now you have some options here. You know, you you, you put Jalen on Siakam since that's um, uh, one that makes sense for both sides of the floor. Um, you know, Kemba has to guard. I'd say Kemba's on Van Fleet, but Tatum has guarded Lowry and Van Fleet at times in this series. So do you potentially hide Kemba on, like, OG and just dare them to, okay, you want to post him up? Like, sure, go for it. Uh, right, or, like if, that, if that's your strategy. is If, 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 if every other uh, possession turns into an OG and an OV uh, post-up, that's a win for the Celtics. Yeah, that's interesting. All right? I was also thinking that you could... I don't know if you put Tatum on Anobi and let him cheat a little bit. Yeah, sure. Free safety. Him yeah. or Smart there. You could, you know, really um, kind of try to squeeze the the, uh, the the Raptors offense by having those guys kind of roam around really well, which both are very good at. Yeah, because you figure, I mean, the, the ones that make sense, you got you have Tyson Gasol, or you're going to have, we, we assume they're, they're going to put Jalen on, on, on Siakam again. Um, and then you got Tatum, Kemba, and smart for Lowry Van Vliet and OG. So yeah, I think I, I think I kind of like Tatum on OG in that situation. Just let him just just let him roam. Play play some Ed Reed, uh, strong safety, free safety, and uh, and do his thing. Just because, like you said, like his de- defensive instincts and his. Although at the same time, two games in this series, Tatum gets himself in foul trouble, and not only mm. foul trouble, but stupid, stupid foul trouble. Just yeah. lazy lazy cheap like wrist that and that, that was the one thing I, i'm glad that came up because i wanted to bring that up that was that was really frustrating and that's when you talk about a superstar maybe he thinks as a superstar he's not going to get those calls but those were two games and that was before you know the this, this this series was really over i think that was game two and game three where he just he, he put the Celtics in a tough spot by just gambling at the wrong time agreed and you're not gonna be able to get away with that against toronto if tatum goes to the bench for long periods in the series, uh, they're going to lose because that's Toronto's defense is too good, and they're going to be able to shut down your other options when you have um, 
you know, just Kemba or Jalen having to lead uh, the pack without him. So it's a good point. Maybe that's a, a case to keep him off the guards and go with OG in this series since that's, you know, that's not a matchup that should bring him in foul trouble, but Tatum is going to have to be smarter um, with that, uh, with how he handles his fouls. Uh, so my third, my third point is more of a like a you know, bigger picture strategic thing, and what the what the Celtics are are, are going to need to do or, or try to do to 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 get the Raps out of their game. And granted, playoff basketball, you know, traditionally is is a slower game; it's more of a half court set. But the the Raptors have the most transition points per game in the NBA this year, uh, twenty seven point eight. I think it was on like a fifth of their points, or uh, yeah, something around there. But uh, anyways, the Celtics at the same time fifth lowest only giving up 17.7 so i think that battle right there in transition basketball the celtics can keep the raptors in the half court set and obviously you're not going to get it 100 percent. but if you can if you can make it so they are more of a half court team that is going to push the the scales in the in the uh in the celtics favor i believe i agree and i think that's another reason why like Cantor doesn't really play in this series um much at all because that yeah. is you know just to put yourself in a position to succeed in that situation, you have to take the guys away that will leave you in a hole. And so that's him. You know, Rob Williams in short stints can, you know, before he gets gassed, he can, you know, obviously haul ass down the floor and get back. Um, Grant Williams, I feel like, is going to be appealing here. And I'm, who's going to play out of, like, Grant or Romeo in this series is what I'll be... You know, you're going to need an eighth guy off the bench who's not going to play much. Um, obviously, Ojale could be that guy too. Um, you know, maybe the, the it's only just... guy with a with a negative plus minus in the Sixers series. Yeah, it's. <laughs> and I want to credit Brad there for moving off him quickly um, when he you know isn't hitting threes right away or just things. The the, the plus minus is, has not been good to Ojale his whole career, even when he's being helpful. Um, but yeah, someone's gonna have to step up in that group. Um, who knows? It might be Romeo. Since yeah, that's a, I, like, what do you think? What did you? Yeah, he didn't make much of an impact on offense, obviously, but his defense has still been pretty solid. Yeah, and I think I'm looking right now, and and the two and Toronto has a, has a solid bench, right? That's that's one of their 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 biggest strengths, which maybe you would argue in the playoffs is, isn't doesn't matter quite as much. But the two guys that worry you most on the on the Raptors bench are Norman Powell and Serge Ibaka and I think you know those are two I mean if, if Ibaka's giving you issues Grant's the guy that maybe you'd want to put in there and, and I think Romeo will probably have a better chance at matching up with Powell um, but yeah I mean uh, we'll see I, I, I'll say that like I feel okay in spurts with having either either of them out there you know neither one of those neither one of them scare me meaning meaning Romeo or, uh, or right. Grant you don't worry when they're out there, which is pretty important for a rookie in the playoffs. Yeah, I would say so. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. You forget that their rookies has been going on for so long already. But yeah, I mean, I would I wouldn't be shocked to see either of them and and and, and little uh, little spurts get get the nod from from Brad and I, and I think they'll be ready. And who knows, right? Like again, it's it's going to be a different. This is like this, you know the second round of the playoffs for a reason. It's going to be a very different scenario for all these guys going up against a team like Toronto versus a team like Philly, where like we said, it just. You know, regardless of what the score was at any point over the course of those four games, it always felt to me that the Celtics were just fucking with Philly and that it was just like they knew when the time came for them to have to flex their muscles and be the better team, they were going to be able to do that. And that's just what happened over and over. 
but clearly against Toronto, that's not happening. And another another factor, and I don't know if this is on yours, but I mean Brad and and, uh, and Nick Nurse. I mean the, the oh, yeah. coaching the the, the coaching. Uh, you know, maybe it's a maybe. I don't want to say the advantage goes to Toronto, but there was a clear advantage for the Celtics in round one. And if anything, it's probably a bit of a push in round two. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to say it's a push or advantage Toronto with the job nurse has done in recent, you know, all year long. Um, and Stevens has, is obviously one of the best coaches out there, but um, I don't think he's, I mean, he hasn't faced a matchup like this where, it's a true coin flip before in the playoffs, like maybe against like Washington or something like that a couple years ago um, in, the, in those the conference semifinals, um, something like that could have been, but this is a true, like one coaching move could swing this series or one, you know, strong 10 minute stretch with the light, the right lineup combinations could, could do it considering it's definitely going to go six or seven games in my mind. So um, that's a, a huge X factor. Um, yeah, you have to like what you see from the CS coaching staff um, and Steven so far in terms of having these guys ready to go. Brad was actually pretty mad after game four with how the last few minutes left. I don't know whether he was just mad about the the, the game taking three hours um, or just the, I the think, way. I think he had the Celtics minus seven. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, no. that, last, that last three. <laughs> but that was... Um, certainly on his mind and that is fair because this team hasn't closed games out great for much of the year um in stretches and so that they're not going to be able to get away with that against a team like toronto um one last x factor for me um tice mm. tice is for all the talk about rob williams and Cantor and grant williams like tice versus gasol um tice kind of wiped the floor of him in that first game in against Toronto in Orlando. And that is, he's going to get a similar treatment here as he did in round one. They're going to give him the wide open threes. Gasol is going to hang back in the paint and try to help off other guys. And Tice has to punish him. And he didn't do that well in game in the first round and it didn't matter for Boston. But if he can't do it in this series, then the center rotation becomes a big headache for Brad Stevens for all these games. Yeah, no, that's fair. I'm just I was just checking out uh, his his season numbers against against Toronto. Um, yeah, I mean it's about the same seven point three and six point three. And yeah, I mean you said that was really frustrating earlier on early in the series when and I guess it kind of trickled throughout the series. But those times where it wasn't sometimes it wasn't even just that Embiid was giving Tice a, a three pointer. He was giving him like foul line jumpers. Oh yeah. Um, and it seemed like, you know, Cantor was the guy who was much more willing to take those shots than Tice. And I guess, you know, maybe, maybe when, when, when you, when you break it down a, you know, when you think who Tice is surrounded by out there, you think a wide open, you know, 17 footer for Daniel Tice is preferable to, to, you know, to Tatum, Jalen or, or Kemba doing anything maybe. But uh, yeah, and and it and it'll only take a couple, right? If yeah, you just gotta make him honest. Come out in game one, and just just it's a, it's a new series. Just just shoot, and if and if it doesn't go, then then you can stop. Then you can adjust. Then Brad can adjust. But at least take an opportunity to take control of the situation to put them on the defensive and have them start thinking, oh shit, like this plan we had to just let Gasol sag back. This isn't gonna work anymore. Uh, and hopefully, and hopefully that will 
will be the strategy, you know, just, just, just from the tip in game one, game one. And I think, you know, what we see, you know, like you said, will, will determine a lot of how both teams have, have to play moving forward. And the bench's like strong three point shooting against the Sixers disguised the fact that Tice was three of 15 from three and smart was two of 15 from three in the series. Um, he still only took 15. Exactly. So that's that's a huge thing for Smart. His He only took 30 shots total in that series, which was um, half of what Brown, Walker, and Tatum took, or even less than half. That's that's perfect. He took less shots than Tice in the series, which is great because he still, that means he was still playing the facilitator role even after Hayward got hurt, and that's what they're going to need him to do here. Um, at the same time, the Raptors are going to be helping off Smart plenty too if he's cold from three so he did break out of the funk a little bit in game four um had a good productive offensive game so again doesn't have to go nuts but if you hit a couple early you take good high percentage looks you should be aggressive for both those guys when toronto's cheating off you then you're gonna be making the Celtics danger offense uh, put toronto in really tough spots Okay, well, I think we're gonna maybe try and get together once more before this, the uh, the series starts. But do you, do you want to uh, give a prediction? Yeah, my initial thoughts right now after just watching some film and throwing the Lowry potential, um, you know, injury into play. Um, I'm going Celtic seven. Um, hmm. I like okay, and as we write this, Raptors have announced left ankle sprain for Kyle Lowry. His condition will be updated as appropriate. Um, <laughs> so not at all so i would say yeah so i was leaning towards celtics in seven anyway it's we, it's funny that we didn't really talk about hayward much in this preview which you know makes sense but this is a matchup for just rewatching it um when hayward is on the floor like they didn't run a lot of stuff through him um that wasn't you know him going up against the likes of siakam and and og was never a great matchup for him anyway. Um, and so getting more shots for Brown, Tatum, and Kemba in this series isn't necessarily a bad thing as long as the Seas can kind of hold down the fort for, with one of those guys off the bench for 10 or 15 minutes games, which um, I think they'll, they'll find a way to do in four games. Okay. Well, so if Lowry were healthy, I was going to go with the Raptors. Um and I think even if he plays, so what 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 would they say it was diagnosed with an ankle sprain? I mean, Left guess, ankle sprain. Uh, no direct update on his availability for a game. So one. diagnosed with exactly what we knew it was, anyways. We just, we just still just don't know the, the severity. Even the Celtics gave a uh, a severity on on Gordon, right? A grade three, was it? Yes. Well, that was like a super ankle sprain. So yeah, it makes sense to give a severity on that because it's like he's not coming back anytime soon. Hmm. All um, right, so maybe, so maybe we're going to think that that Lowry is not as bad as that. Yes, I would think that they would have announced if he was bad enough for him not to, you know, be playing again. Like Hayward had his and could barely walk off the floor. Um, maybe it's just not appropriate yet. As I said, when it's appropriate, they'll give us more information. It's a little chess game. A little yeah. chess game. Um, so I would, with, 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 if not for that, for that ankle, I was going to pick the Raptors in seven. Um, but I, uh, I'm going to say Celtics in six. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I got a game more, swing. 
I got to think more about this chess match that the Raptors are playing. There, there's, there's no, there's no announcement. Announcement. Just throw <laughs> me a little bit. I have to, I have to, I have to break it down psychologically a little bit more. But I think that might mean that it's a bigger problem than, uh, than they're, than they're letting on. So I'm going to say Celtics and six. I mean, they don't have to worry about that closing out at home in Game Six. That's um, true. It is. It is funny how this has played out in the, the first round, where you know, if a team is clear, clearly better than the other team, then it's just it is what it is. Whether for for this series or the Miami, I think the Miami Indiana series is the perfect example. It's like okay, you know, gut check Game Three is like well, actually, nothing has really changed here. And yeah, well, that was pretty, that was a close game though. I mean that could have gone, that, that could have gone either way in the same way that like you know the the Mavericks could have very easily rolled over against the Clippers uh, yesterday. Um, I'm 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 interested to see how this how the three zero goes today with the Pacers in Miami. Like, are the Pacers gonna did they give their best their best fight? Like, are, right. they, are they just gonna roll over? I don't know. I think I'm playing Brogdon and Miles Turner both in FanDuel today, so I'm hoping mm. that uh, so I'm I'm betting on the Pacers having a little bit more fight. Um, how crazy! Last thing before we go, that this is the first ever playoff series between the yeah, Celtics that's and the nuts. That's absolutely nuts. Um, go from the most storied, one of the most storied uh, playoff rivalries in Eastern Conference history to a to a first timer. <laughs> it feels long overdue, to say the least, given how the past decades gone for both of these teams. Um, but it it could be one of the best series of the whole postseason, um, just in terms of how evenly matched both sides are and how well each of them is playing in Orlando so far. So um, buckle up. It's going to be a fun one. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll catch up with everyone in a couple of days, probably before, before the, uh, the series gets underway. But for now, we'll wait for, uh, for when it's appropriate to hear more about Kyle Lowry. <laughs>